Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. We're so glad you've decided to worship with us. We are on week two of a new series called DNA. And like I explained last week, we're not in science class, but we're talking about what makes us unique, just like everyone's DNA is unique. We are unique as a church. And so this series is spending a few weeks talking about how God has brought us together for a specific assignment to do and how we can do that in a unique way. Speaking of mission, that's what I talked about last week related to this series, DNA. So what I wanna do is just kind of catch up on some things by just going over a series review in case you missed last week. The first is this, when our uniqueness meets clarity, we have a vision. So we are a unique church, just like every church is unique. But uniqueness doesn't mean in vague terms, we do something differently. Uh, what you actually need is, is clarity. Well, what makes us unique? And how does it make us unique? And what does that mean for what God wants to do in us and through us? And what you find is you actually have to ask a lot of questions. You have to really look at the people that God is bringing around. You have to look at the community in which we are in. You have to look at all of the factors of the opportunity that God is working. And as you do that, and as you get clarity, and as you see the uniqueness of the people God brings into the body of the church, you can actually have a real vision. And so this series is really about giving everyone a sense of the vision of Ridgeview Church with the intent of how can you join in with what God is doing here. And so I hope this is one of those a bridge series, like where you see a bridge that you can walk on and it will take you further into who we are as a church. But to get this kind of clarity, we have to ask questions like I've mentioned. And here's the five irreducible questions of clarity. I talked about this last week. Uh, what are we doing? That's really helpful. It's a question that we want to ask a lot. What are we doing? That's what we talked about last week, our, our mission. And our mission is to invite people to experience refreshing life in Christ. If you missed last week, you can check that out on our podcast, on our YouTube page. And I encourage you to do that because that will give you the, the sense of, of where we're, we're headed. So why are we doing it? That's what we're talking about today. Our, our values. Next week, we're gonna talk about how are we doing it? That's our measures. And then when are we successful? And then where is God taking us? So all five of these questions uh, can be asked of any organization and they should be. You could even ask these kinds of questions for your family. Where are we headed? What's our family about? What's important to us? What's the goal of family life as we relate? What's the goal of our, our marriage? And companies should ask the same questions and really the church should as well. Because if we think that God wants to do something among us and he sent people at this exact time for that to happen, then these questions are really important because we wanna make the most of the time that we have. Life is short, right? It's here and then it's gone. So these questions are a way of how do we really focus and bring clarity to the vision that God uh, gives us. And so last week I talked about the mission and that's a, a compass and you'll see that uh, on there. Our mission, myth, uh, strategy, measures, and values. We talked about this last week. Today, we're talking about this. and the rest of the series, we'll talk about those. But this is the frame of clarity. It's a, it's a frame of which it contains what we're about. Like the picture inside is our specific vision for the short term. But the frame is, is that clarity that kind of keeps that vision nice and tight. The picture is clear. And we need that. Without it, it's, it's easy to go sideways. It's easy to get distracted. Uh, like in, in life, do you ever walk somewhere to do something, and by the time you get into the room that you needed to do it, you forgot why you walked there? Isn't it one of the most perplexing things in life? And then you're in this room, and you're like, I know I'm in this room for a reason, and I have no idea why. And so you walk out of the room, and you go back to where you started, and all of a sudden, you realize why you need to go back into that room. What I call is that's exercise when you get older. You just keep walking to the same place over again until you remember why you walked there. It's the same with any organization and any church. It's easy to just go on walks with no purpose, to spend your energy and your time and everything God's given us without real clarity. And so as a church, we have a responsibility. And the staff and leaders, we have a responsibility. How do we make the most, again, of the time that we've been given? And how do we make sure that we have this frame for which our vision can fit? And so uh, last week, like I mentioned, we talked about mission and a compass, and that's our mission, inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. And today, uh, we're talking about our values. And you'll see, I think, the frame of both of those uh, together. There's our mission, and there's our values. 
And both of those connect, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But here's a definition of value, so we're all on the, the same page. Values are shared convictions. Now, conviction is something we don't use a lot today. Um, it's the idea of it's something that's very important to you. It's a belief that, that actually determines a lot of what you do. It's a strong-held uh, sense of direction. It's a strong-held belief. It's not just like a feeling. It's, it's a conviction. It, it actually kind of directs you. So values are these shared convictions for us as a church that guide the actions and reveal the strengths of the church. So kind of keep that definition in your mind because that will be helpful as we kind of uh, move through this. So what this means is the mission is a compass and the values are actually a flame. I think we have an an image uh, for that. So the idea of, of values is think of it, it's like lighting a fire. Values are what you feel. You ever been cold and ever gone camping? And all you're waiting for is that fire to get lit because you're freezing. And the fire gets turned on. And what does everyone do when the, everyone's cold? They, they gather in, right? They get closer to the fire. They get closer to the fire. And then the kids get too close. You're like, get away from the fire, right? I scared some of you. Some of you are dozing off right there. I just saw it. <laughs> but, but this light of fire is, is, is this idea of when people come to our church, they should feel our values. It should set the temperature of our church. Values are atmosphere, the environment. If you've ever been somewhere and you've expected uh, good customer service and if you ever waited at a counter and they're just working and talking to themselves and you're just waiting at a counter, waiting to get help, do you ever have that experience? And you're like, sorry, like I, sorry I showed up with my money to spend at your store. Will somebody please talk to me? I just want somebody to talk to me. You ever cry and do it, you know? <laughs> Hopefully not. But we all have that experience of like, wait a second, there, there's, there's a value here that, that's a little off. The feel is cold. If you ever go somewhere and you are surprising the people that should be expecting you, uh, that, that's a value. It's a, it's a feel. We, we all have a, a feel of different environments. Your home, my home, has a temperature. It could be warm, compassionate, inviting, or it could be very cold. Everyone needs to watch out what they say, what they do. Every home has values. Now, a temperature is not set arbitrarily. A temperature is set by the values, what's important. It may be stated, it may be known, it may be unknown and never stated, but every environment in which you find yourself has a certain set of values. In our culture, in our society, uh, they're setting their own values too. Oftentimes, it's the measure of what cool is. Cool, it's, it's a value. What's important? What do you need to say? What do you not need to say? You need to make sure you're doing the things that are accepted and cool and not doing the things that are not. And you spend a lot of times when you're young trying to just figure out those values. How do I make sure I fit in? How do I make sure I don't go against this current of the culture and of the media? Well, what you find in the church and here at Ridgeview, we need to set values that represent the kingdom of God, that represent a king, that represent a different type of life. And we want everyone who comes through our church to feel these values in a way that, that it's, it's warm, it's inviting. People may not know what they are, but there's something here, and that's what we want. And so I wanna share these values and, and walk through them. And these are pulled out of scripture. These are not just kind of like, let's put some values in a hat, pull them out and be like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, we want these to be true of, of who we are. We want these to be the kind of atmosphere that we wanna set. So I wanna dig into our values. Now, these values, I'm gonna just go through one by one, and I'm gonna read uh, the biblical basis for this value, why this is important to God. Uh, But also, they're not in a particular order, so it's not like one is the most important. All of these values uh, come together. So this idea of of lighting a fire, think of like these values as like the the kindling and the wood in which the fire gets lit. You ever like set a, a fire, any like Boy Scouts here? Come on, Girl Scouts. Okay, Girl Scouts, you're welcome too, right? Um, anyone know how to light a fire? Good. I, I loved fires when I was younger. You can ask me about that later. But uh, to start a really good fire, you need like little kindling, right? And then you need like kind of the pyramid of, of wood that will light easily. And there's enough oxygen. I'm really acting like I'm, I'm like an expert fire. It's not exactly perfect what I'm talking about, but you'll get the sense. 
you need to stack them up. You need to make sure there's kindling and then it slowly burns and then the fire grows. And then you can add more wood. Well, our values are like the, the, the structure of the wood that gets the fire going. And so they each support each other like a pyramid would in a fire that you're trying to start. They're all important. And they all have a place in the values and the atmosphere that we wanna set here at Ridgeview. So here's our first value. So here's what I wanna do. As I talk about this, our first one is cohesive. We team together. What I want you to, to do honestly is ask yourself, have I felt this value at Ridgeview? In a way, this is like a report card for us as a church. And if you're new, um, we actually really value what you think. And if you're a part of Ridgeview and you're a member or you've been around a long time, we want you to be a part of making these real. And again, these are not for a piece of paper that you put on a wall. Everyone has statements. We want this to be real. So if you've identified this, just make a note. Like, yeah, I felt that. Or, you know, that's a little lacking. We need to work on that. Because we, we need to continue to grow as a church. So the first is cohesive. We team uh, together. Now, we think, and most companies would say this, most churches would say this, but we do really believe that our collective potential together is greater than us being alone. This is why isolation from COVID was so devastating because it's very hard to be a cohesive team when you're not together. And there's a season in which that was the reality and that was what we had to face. But there's also something about the church where we can't stop gathering together. There's something unique and beautiful and special that happens when the people of God come together and welcome people who are investigating what it means to follow Jesus and who welcome people who are discouraged, and who welcome people who are disappointed, and who welcome people that just feel battered by life. There's something that happens when a group of people comes together and says, you're, you're welcome here. You're part of this team. We wanna see what God can do. And to be a cohesive team is something that everyone has to work together. Everyone talks about a church family, and, it, and it's true. But we want this to be something that, that you feel. Like this is a cohesive team. What that means is, we're loyal and we trust each other and we team together. It's very easy to pull away from a team. It's very easy to just try to play your own sport by yourself. Take your ball and go home. That's easy, right? But in the church, this is something you actually have to fight for. First Corinthians 1.10 says this, I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So here, brothers is talking collective. It's like everyone. So I appeal to everyone in the church. This is specific to the people of God. This isn't just to people who, uh, you know, maybe attend church but don't have a relationship with Jesus. This is to people, you have a relationship with Jesus. You wanna be committed to the church. And Paul, who's writing this, is making this appeal. It's like this, this strong encouragement. I really want you to pay attention is what he's saying. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, he starts there. By the name of Christ, by the thing that holds us together. Remember last week we talked about our mission, inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. In Christ is where the whole mission is held together. It's also why this value is so important because it's only in the name of Christ that we can have unity, really. The church is actually one of the most unique places, or it should be, where you can have people from different generations from different backgrounds, from different experiences, from different walks of life and faith, from different ethnicities, from different styles, from different personalities, and you bring them all together in one room and it's one body. It's amazing when you think about it. But the only reason that could happen is not because we are special people. It's because we're united under the one name of Jesus. He unites people from all backgrounds, from all different types of experiences, from all nationalities, from all ethnicities, under his name, we all can gather. And we can be one family and one body. So by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Now, all of us are like, okay, yes, we can be family under Christ, that all of you agree. And then it's like, oh, what? How many of you like to kind of like play devil's advocate? Anyone? You're not gonna raise your hand. That's a really terrible question. Some of you, okay, good. Some of you like to, to do that. Some of you, you know, like to kind of get into it with people. You know, it's like, actually, like, I kind of agree with you, but I just want to see what happens. 
Is that fair? We, we like to do that. Like, I'm just gonna throw a wrench in your thinking and in, in your speech and just see what, what happens. Well, there's a certain place where we need to encourage each other and there may be different viewpoints that we need to share. But this agreement is very important. And the agreement is actually explained by what the rest of the scriptures say. You need to agree so that there's no divisions among you. The biggest thing that kills a team and a cohesive and loyalty and teaming together is division. And division is different people going in different directions at the same time. Some of the strongest warnings in the New Testament are against divisive people. Did you know that? In fact, there's a biblical basis for which people, if they remain divisive after warning and after another warning and after an appeal has been made, like you can't divide the church, there's actually a biblical basis for people to get thrown out of the church. Did you know that? Could you imagine on a Sunday? It's like, all right, guys, we're having our throwing people out church day. <laughs> you think that'd kind of make us a little serious? Yeah, like, but that, that's actually, that's true. And that, that, that actually could, could have to happen. But this idea of agreeing and no divisions is answered by this, but you're united in the same mind and the same judgment. The same mind is, there may be differences that we have. There might be different preferences. But the same mind is that we believe, again, in the same Christ. And we believe in the Christ who came to this earth. And we believe in the Christ who came to this earth, who paid the penalty for our sin. And we agree that we're sinners. We agree that we messed up people. We agree that we're broken. It's amazing when you agree on those things that you actually connect to each other in a real way. When you all realize you're kind of messed up, that's actually very endearing. Do you realize that? Most of the time in our culture, it's like put your best face and foot forward and make sure everyone thinks that you don't have any problems. There's no connection to people because you, you start competing. But when you realize you're broken and you need help and another person realizes the same, there, there's actually something that, that happens where you realize like we, we need the Lord Jesus here in this situation. We need him in our, in our lives. We need him in, in our church. So the same mind is, is this belief. There's a God who made us and loves us. But because of our sin, we went our own way. We rebelled against him. But because of his great love, he sent his only son to die for our sin, to pay the penalty of it. And he conquered sin and he rose again on the third day. So the same mind is that there's only one God through Christ who can save us and help us and lead us. And that belief should really be the foundation of everything that we do. It's not about preferences. It's about Christ who saves helps and delivers and makes this life actually worth living. But then it also says, not only the same mind, but the same judgment. That is, we have a belief system that we agree on according to what the scriptures say. But we also have a same judgment, which means when it comes to acting, when it comes to what we need to do, we're gonna be on the same page. This actually speaking really to kind of, we need to ask questions, we need to get clarity, we need to make sure we know where we're headed, but as soon as it's clear of what we need to do, we do it together. We don't wanna just do our own thing on our own terms, on our own timing. God's given us a group of people where if we can all together come and say, God, lead us forward, he'll do amazing things. So when people come to Ridgeview, we want people to feel this. Like there's a team here. These people work together. They're loyal they trust each other. There's goodwill. They have each other's backs. This is something I could actually be a part of. That's what we want people to feel. For each of these values, I'm gonna give just some suggestions for if you find like in your own life, like you wanna move towards this value, I just have some things that you can do. The first, find a place to serve. If you don't yet serve Ridgeview, one of the ways you can help the team is by serving the team. And find a place to serve. We have Many, many volunteers every week that come and serve here at the church. On a Sunday, during the week, lots of different ways. So if you don't serve, one of the things you can do is take that step to being part of this cohesive team, and you could serve. Another way you can work towards cohesion is, is clear up relationships. You ever been offended? Come on, guys, that's easy. Yeah, we get offended all the time. People say things, it bothers us, they do things, we don't like it. And that's just like by 9 a.m. on a Monday. 
right? But what happens in most relationships is we get frustrated, we get mad, we get angry because someone's offended us and we get bitter and we never do anything. We just let it fester. But the scriptures say, if there's something wrong between you and your brother or you and your sister, you should drop everything you should do and you're doing and and you need to make it right. There's a mess and there's sin and there's bitterness and there's anger. You need to work towards restoration, forgiveness. You need to work towards peace. And so one of the ways you can help the cohesion of Ridgeview is if there's a problem that you have with somebody, go to them directly. Talk to them. If you've sinned against somebody, ask for forgiveness for what you've done. If somebody's sinned against you, bring it to their attention in a loving way so that forgiveness can happen. If we're a group that forgives each other when we mess up and we will mess up and we clean up those messes, we can be a cohesive team, again, that God can really use. So those are a couple ways you can move towards a cohesion. Second value is being proactive. And that is we have a can-do attitude. I'm gonna quote a scripture that's probably like the most quoted scripture and probably the most that's taken out of context. Uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There's one person I always think about when I read this scripture. Anyone have a guess? What's that? Almost. His last name rhymes with Bebo. Good job. Tim Tebow, Bebo. Nice one. You guys remember that? Philippians 4.13, he always had on his, you know, it's, you see that sporting events, Philippians 4.13, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What, that's led to believe in a lot of circumstances that like whatever I set my mind to, I can do. It could be true. But me playing in the NFL, <laughs> you don't laugh so hard, okay? But you know, like really? I don't, I don't think so. Like in the NBA? I don't think so. Like a male model? I mean, now, you know, we're getting a little closer. (laughs) I can't even say that with a straight face. But go go back to that that scripture. This is actually, in the context, is talking about being content. And actually, Tim Tebow, in his kind of definition of this scripture, because everyone asks, what is Philippians 4.30? He he just talks about, it, it doesn't matter whether my life is going good, my life is going bad, where I'm throwing the winning touchdown or I've thrown an interception. God will help me. And that's actually what it means. It's not about just setting your eyes and just achieving any dream you have. It's actually, you can be high and you could be low. You can have all that you want and you could have so much that you need and you can be content. So being proactive means that God, when we're lacking, gives us what we need to do what we need to do. So as a church, that means we're gonna face many obstacles and we have and we will continue to. But we can do what God has called us to do because of the strength that he gives. So for a moment, you wanna take this, this thought of like, okay, if God's power is real, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that paid the price of sin, if that's real, Is there any situation that I face in which God can't help me? There is no situation. There's no circumstance. There's no time. God is always there to help when you call upon him. So in hard circumstances as a church, uh, we don't want to shrink back. We want to move forward. There's many things that have happened at Ridgeview that I would not choose as my personal preference. And life's like that. Family life's like that. You have good intent. You want your you know, family to enjoy the day together and then it just fights break out. You're gonna enjoy yourself on this day off and on the way to church, you know, some of the greatest conflicts ever on the way to church. So there's all sorts of circumstances in which it's very difficult. But it means no matter what I face, God, God can help me. Last year, we had our Easter service. Some of you have heard this story. Some of you are giggling about it because you're still 
seeking counseling, but <laughs> we, uh, we had our Easter service last year. It was like our biggest, you know, marketing effort we've ever made. And we're in the park and we go to get our truck that has all of our equipment in it and the storage place is closed and we can't get our truck with any of our equipment and it's Easter Sunday. And sometimes I get calls. If I get a call in like the seven o'clock hour, I pray before I ever answer the phone. Dear God, help the truck to start. Dear God, help this crisis that's, you know, it's usually something bad. And I got the call like, hey, we can't get the truck. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, that's a funny one. It's like, no, it's, it's like we really can't get it. Well, like, try the code. No, it's like closed. And we literally couldn't get the truck. And it was in that moment where I started to freak out a little bit. You know, I was thinking about like, what shirt am I going to wear? Make sure I iron to like, are we even going to have church today? And we've told everyone about it. In that moment, I just sensed God saying, this is where your can-do attitude becomes real. And God came through. The people of the church, speaking of cohesive, came together. And we had people bringing chairs, sound equipment, supplies, tubs, tablecloths, toys for kids, and we made it work. And it was so beautiful. And we didn't have any of our equipment. That was cohesive and proactive coming together at the same moment. Do I want that to happen again this year? No, we're picking that up three weeks before you. And next week, we're parking the truck outside of storage, right? Because we never want that to happen. But God uses that. No matter what I face, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we don't have our equipment. But God will do what he wants to do. And we had our biggest Sunday we ever had in the history of our church. And we had no equipment that we thought we were going to have. Only God does that. So proactive is, is very important. Now, you could be somebody who may struggle with being proactive, like you, you want all your ducks in a row, you're a very planned person, maybe you're type A, and you're like, just, I just need the structure, I need, life doesn't happen like that. Oftentimes, God will allow things to happen just to see where you put your trust. Is it in the plan? Or is it in the God that can help you in the middle of things as they unravel? The scripture that came to my mind when all this was happening last Easter was Psalm 27. It says, some trust in chariots. I want to change that. My, some trust in box trucks, right? And some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. When things fall apart, you find out what you put your trust in. And God has a way of revealing that at times. So how to work towards proactiveness. Here's some suggestions. Be an encourager when things look bleak. Like in your family life, church life, at work, when things are falling apart and everyone is like, it's, you know, it's terrible. Be someone, just try to encourage in the moment. You may just have to ask for God's help. Because you may be somebody that like when people get bleak, you get bleak too. But be somebody who can set the temperature differently. You know what? We can do this. Let's, let's see. Let's pray. Let's ask God for help. Be an encourager when things look bleak. Uh, take action with something you can do. When things fall apart, it's easy to get paralyzed. It's the same in church. Like you don't know what to do. It's a crisis. You just, you stay still. Well, there's usually something you can do. Do that thing. So be an encourager when things look bleak. Take action with something you can do and then give God what you can't do. God, there's no way we can magically lift this box truck over the gate and fly it to our park. We couldn't do it. But God, will you help us in this moment to get what we need? And God did that. So give God what you can do. So cohesive, we team together proactive, we have a can-do attitude, and then our third value is uh, welcoming. Uh, we want people to feel welcome and included. Uh, we wanna be a church that people feel like when they come that this is a place that they could come back to. In fact, that's our win for a Sunday. We want people to have an experience that they want to return and invite their friends. If you have a great experience, not only will you want to come back, but you're going to tell people about it. And I think one of the greatest experiences we all need is to feel welcomed somewhere. To feel like we belong. That we matter. Because you know what? We do matter. 
God has given humans tremendous value. And the church should be a place where people walk in and find a place where they see their value in God. People value them as well. Because God has given us this this image that he's made us in, this, this God image that nothing else has in creation except for humans. And our, our value is different than any other created thing. And we have a unique relationship with God because of that. And so the church should be a place where people can find that value. So if our mission is to invite, we wanna invite people to experience refreshing life in Christ, but we're, we're not welcoming it's like inviting people to come and then not expecting that they will. I shared this a few years ago, but a couple years ago, I was in my house. It's like after a long day of ministry and I just sat down on the couch and I think I was watching a show when a knock on my door came and a couple walked in my house and they had a tray of food for a party that I did not know about. And as I looked at the couple, I did not know them either. And they're in my house and they're looking at me and I'm greeting them And it's this surreal experience. I'm like, hey, I don't know you. You're in my house. The food looks good. And they look at me, I look at them. We're literally greeting each other and realize that we have no idea who each other are. And I'm literally like, is there a church event that I forgot about? And these people are coming. And long story short, they were at the wrong address. There was a party that was down the way And they just came to the wrong house. And so we snapped a selfie. You know, it was great. Like we were friends after. But I thought that moment, that's what church can be like. People can come and they're new and they can't, you know, and it could be like, oh, what are are you doing here? How did you hear about it? What? Oh, what? Like we're surprised. That happens in a lot of places. There's insiders and out. It's like, it's easy to be this closed circle, like a click. Like you don't belong. But the church should be a place like, it doesn't matter who you are. You should feel welcomed. And you could be included. Not only welcome, like we're glad you're here, but come join in what God's doing. That has so much potential. But you know, here in LA and in Southern California, we're not the most friendly bunch, right? You ever notice that? We could be pretty cold. You know, you don't, you don't make eye contact. You don't talk to people. You just kind of look down. If someone makes a ruckus, you may look up and then you look down again. But as Christians, we should be engaging people. I'm not talking about extrovert, introvert. I'm, I'm saying if people have value because God made them, they matter. People really matter. And they should be interacting with people, part of our church, where they see like, wow, they, they actually seem like they cared. Now, sometimes you have to be careful because I, I like to ask a lot of questions. They have value. I want to hear about them. But especially here in Southern California, you ask a little too many questions. They're like, dude, what, what are you selling? And there I'm a pastor and she's like, ah, it's even worse. Right? But, but if we can be engaging, we can actually have a small town feel a part of this church. That's actually what God wants to do. Where people come and it's like, wow, this is like a hometown that I can be a part of. It's very warm and welcoming. If you're from a small town, you know what I'm you know, talking about, if you're not, you're like, what is that? It's actually a place where people know each other. They know each other's lives. They actually have a connection because it's a size where you can all get to know each other. They know each other's families. They know each other's history. Now, we don't want the part where everyone gossips about each other, like in a small town, right? Because that leads to divisiveness, which we can't do. But it's a sense like we, we, care, we care about each other because we know each other. That's this idea of being welcoming. Here's a picture of the L.A. Basin. There's millions of people. There's millions of people where we live, all, all just all around, not even that far. 60 mile radius, millions of people. Do you know how many people are lost? I mean, not just without Christ, but lost without any sense of relationships. They go to work, they come home, they watch a show, they go to bed, and they do it all over again. All of these lights All these lights represent lives. They represent households and they represent people that God has made that have tremendous value. We have millions of people here and they are lost 
without Christ. And they're alone. Especially here and everywhere, we're really good at hiding it. We can be so put together, we can seem like we have everything we need, but people are lonely and they're hurting and they long for a place where they can be known and cared for. And that's what God wants our church to be. Check out the scripture in Psalm 8. It says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. God has made humans with this image of God that has a glory and honor because it's attached to him. That's why life is so valuable. It's so important because you reflect the value of God. So as a church, we have a responsibility. Everyone who walks through these doors, everyone who comes to an event, everyone who comes to a group, we have an opportunity to give them and acknowledge the value that God has given them. That's a tremendous amount of responsibility. But what a privilege for people to interact with a group of people and feel that they actually were cared for. We have to be welcoming We have to be this relational community with a small town feel where people can belong. That's what we all want, right? All of us. So we have an opportunity to create that for others. So how to be welcoming. Here's some suggestions. You may have heard this before. We have a five-minute rule here at Ridgeview. After church, for the first five minutes after church, as soon as we're dismissed, don't talk to somebody you know. Now, if there's like one new person, maybe not everyone talks to them at the same time because there's welcoming and then there's like freak out, right? But we never want somebody to come here and not be welcomed or introduced or connected or greeted or conversation started. So five minutes after the service, try to talk to somebody you don't know. Introduce yourself. Tell them about yourself. Ask questions. It's five minutes. That five minutes can make great difference in somebody's life that no one's asked them a question this week. Everyone wants to talk about themselves for five minutes. Try to see if you can get somebody to talk about them instead of you. Five-minute rule. And then introduce someone you meet to someone else. So if you meet somebody, try to be a connector. For a church to grow, you need connectors, people that want to connect people to each other. When that happens, that relational equity grows, that small-town feel increases, And we create, again, this atmosphere where people really feel welcomed. If you're part of this church, it's not just something you experience yourself. You have to create it, especially as we reach more people. And with Easter coming up, uh, what an opportunity that we have. I hope when you come to services, you come and see, and you're like, I don't know those people. And you should be, yes, now we have an opportunity to be welcoming. That's a beautiful thing. All right, so cohesive, proactive, welcoming. Our fourth value is expansion. We want to help multiply churches and ministries. The idea is we want to create a growing church here, and then as God wills it and as God grows us, we want to keep multiplying and reaching people in other areas. The LA Basin, millions of people. Can Ridgeview Church reach all of them? No. So we need to be a part of expanding. We need to create churches in in new areas. We need to partner with ministries like we're doing that are reaching people in other areas where we can't. But expansion is a, such an important value because it's, it's, it's not just about us. It's not just about our own church and just keep growing bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. We, we, we have to multiply. We have to send out workers to other areas to reach people that we cannot reach. And that's what happened in the early church and that, that's what we wanna happen now. Check this out in Acts 5.14. It says, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. That's my prayer for our church. We're a church that's reaching unchurched people. Not just people from one church to another church, but we want to reach people who have checked out of church, never been to church, don't have a relationship with Christ, are investigating him. We want them to to go from being alone and cut off from God to connecting to God through Christ, experiencing that that new life that we're celebrating today in, in baptism. 
That means we have to share our faith with others. We have to be willing to extend an invitation to explore Jesus, to invite people to church. But expansion, when you go like to two services like we're doing, that's part of our value. We wanna expand. For Easter, we're not all be at a fit, Lord willing. We want that problem. But we wanna fill it with people. What if it was the first time they've ever come to church? And in California, that's pretty high probability. But what an opportunity we have. You can see how all these values fit together. Because if they can come, because somebody invited them with this value of expansion and inviting, and then they felt welcomed, and they experienced a team, and this group of people that actually have an upbeat attitude even when things look bleak, is that something they're gonna wanna be a part of? Absolutely. That's how they all work together. So how to move towards expansion. Uh, be a bridge builder, invite and connect with people. Inviting to church can be something that can be overwhelming, but sometimes it's just an invite that somebody's waiting for. You know, there's a lot of people that don't know they can come to church without being invited. Do you know that? Because they don't, they don't think it's like open. It's like a closed group. That'd be like coming over to your house without being invited. Like they'd never do that unless they get the wrong address for a party, Right? So sometimes people are just waiting for an invitation. And if you've been in the church, you think, well, of course they can come. But do you go most places you're not invited? Not really, especially not a church. So that inviting, be a, bit, be a bridge builder, invite and connect. And then another thing is, if you wanna work, move towards this expansion and seeing people to come to Christ, ask Pete, you know, ask, sorry, not ask people, ask God to give you an opportunity to share your faith. Pray that a few times this week. God, will you give me a chance this week to share my faith with somebody? It's amazing when you pray and ask that what God does. I've seen that repeatedly. I've literally prayed that and had people that have never talked to me about faith say like, so like, what's this Christian thing? And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, God, you answered my prayer. What do I say? And then you pray, God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I need your help right now. But just be willing to pray that. That's how you can work towards expansion. And then finally, and this I think holds all the values together, is we wanna be guided by scripture. God will lead us forward, aligned with his word, the Bible. Uh, We don't wanna be guided by culture. We don't wanna be guided by history. We don't want to be guided by cool. We don't want to be guided by what's popular. We don't even want to be guided by other churches. We don't want to be guided by any one leader. We want to be guided by Scripture, period. And Scripture today is as relevant and true as it has ever been. And it speaks to what we need. And we have to be a church that is continually guided by scripture. And that's the source of our values. The Bible, speaking of like a frame, it actually provides a framework for a healthy atmosphere. Because if you're guided by scripture, you're getting the truth of reality, how God wants things. You're getting clarity because you get to see things clearly. God's word reveals it. And without him telling you, and without you seeing it, you don't know it's real. So we want to be a, a church that no matter what happens in our culture, no matter what happens in our country, no matter what happens in our cities, in our community, we want God's word to guide us forward. Did you know scripture is not the most popular thing? You may not have known that, but it's true. People don't really want to know what the Bible says because what the Bible does, it actually provides direction but it also provides a boundary. And we're living in a time where people don't want any boundaries because you wanna be able to do whatever you want at any time. And back to the people that are lonely and lost, and completely alone, they're living a life that's been sold to them. They can do whatever they want without any consequences. But the consequences are real. If you go and do whatever you want without any reference to God, your life will be so shallow and empty. That's reality. 
And so what we wanna do in love, in welcoming, in cohesion, in proactiveness, in expansion, we wanna proclaim God's word that has the power to change. It's the power to bring things into focus and to create the, the very atmosphere that we want to create. Joshua 1.8, this is in the Old Testament. It says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. This was God's really command to Joshua when he was overtaking the leadership and the mantle of authority from Moses. His role was to lead these people into the promised land. There'd be a lot of battles, be a lot of obstacles. But notice what God says. If you want success and you want your way to be prosperous, it's God's word which brings that. And it's still true. If we want to have success as a church, but we cut corners and we go around what God's word says, our church will, will fall apart. It'll explode. So my role as, as the pastor and our role as staff and leaders is we just have to continually be guided by God's word. We have to do what he says. And there'll be times when the culture hates us for it. And it may not be acceptable to what people think should be acceptable. But God's word will guide us. Because that's the only thing that if we do Every value will be constant because God holds it together. But as soon as we deviate, it will all unravel. So for you, how you can move towards this value is aim to read the Bible for yourself. And you may not have spent much time, but aim to just read the Bible for yourself. Read it three times a week. If you need help, see us after church. Go to the information table. We have Bibles, and we can coach you in where to start reading the Scripture but it will begin to change you as you engage in God's word. Ask God to speak to you when you read it. God, will you help me? I'm new to reading the Bible. I've maybe gotten off the task of reading the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. I don't have any motivation to read the Bible. I don't wanna read the Bible, but God, will you help me as I read it? Will you speak to me? And he does. And then memorize a verse that reminds you of a key truth that you need to remember in this current season. So as you read the scriptures and as you ask God to speak to you, if he speaks to you through a verse, memorize it. Put it to memory so you, in the moment, can quote it for truth. That's how you're guided by scripture. It's literally on your lips, like you can recall the truth. This is one of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 1-3. He's like a tree. He's talking about the person who does what God's word says. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The one who does God's word prospers. And sometimes we need to remember that because it seems like everyone who does the opposite of God's word seems to have the most success. And sometimes as Christians, it's like, this seems backwards. The people are the, the most oppos opposition to God that come against God seem to be the ones that, get the most success or the most prosperous or the loudest voice. But God's word is true. There will be a time when that withers, when it's choked out. But if you do what God's word says, you will have fruit. And so that's just like a scripture that you can memorize just to remind you of the reality of what God does. So those are our values. And I wanna end with just some next steps uh, for you, as I invite the band uh, to come up. Uh, the first next step is this. Which Ridgeview value do you need to move toward? So for you personally, out of those five, is there one that you think, you know, I need to work on that myself? Is it guided by scripture more than guided by media? Is it I need to work on being welcoming or maybe proactive? Maybe things look bleak and you just can get really discouraged and really in a dark place. So I don't know, just... Ask God, what's, what's the value that, that you need to work towards personally? And then second, who can you encourage that exhibits one of these values? Speaking of the value that people have, how can you encourage somebody in something that you see? Like you live out this value. I feel that from you. But the atmosphere is different because of you. And just, you know, encourage somebody uh, in that. So I, I encourage you 
Just think that through. Ask, ask God uh, to speak to you. In closing, I hope that these values you've experienced. And more importantly, I hope that God will continue to grow us as a church. Again, what God does when we all come together is something completely unique and special and beautiful. And I'm so glad that you're here because when we gather in his name, he works. So I can't wait to see what he continues to do in our church. Uh, Today, as we celebrate baptism, we're celebrating the work of Christ. And it is a celebration because people have decided they wanna give their whole lives to him and they're doing that publicly. And so as a church, please come and celebrate with those people as we cheer them on in their faith. And that will happen again right after this service around 11.45 at the Aquatic Center right across the parking lot. Let's pray. We're gonna sing another song, receive our offering, and then we'll wrap up our service together. Let's pray. God, thank you for the help that you bring when we need it. Your word does guide us. It leads us forward and you speak to us. God, help us to be a church that continues to do what your word says. In our relationships, we wanna treat each other according to your word in the way that we handle our projects and decisions. We wanna reflect your word, everything that we do. But Lord, it's also so hard because our will and our drives so much are contrary to what your word says. So as we, we read your word, give us a desire. Help us to just want to engage with you in a relational, real way. And, and God, we just need your help to see things differently. God, will you continue to expand us and grow us as we invite and invest in people? Will you continue to give us just cohesion as we team and as we're loyal and as we trust each other? As we face problems, God, we ask that we'll be able to have a can-do attitude and see the help that you bring and the power that you give us in the moment to face what we face. And finally, God, help us just to be welcoming to all who come that they will see the value that they have in you. So God, will you take our attempts at these things, our desires, and will you multiply them? Will you help us to be a church that really can make a difference here and now, not for us, for our own name, but for your name and for your power and for your glory. We ask this in the name of Jesus, amen.